Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host on this Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. It is Friday. This is the Steel Curtain Network. We're getting ready to go official on March 1st. I'm excited for that. We've got a couple announcements to make before we get there, but not today. Today, though, we are just focusing solely on this first question, this first topic at hand. I said it on Wednesday. I'll say it again. I need to hire Doc M, Southside Doc just to give me topics for shows in the offseason because he's great at it. I, this is the second time he has put a question into the mailbag, and I thought, you know, this deserves more attention. This deserves a little bit of a deeper dive. And so that's what I did. Doc M asked on Wednesday, what steps need to happen to achieve a successful offseason? And then he said, what would separate a great one from mediocre? When I read that during the the Wednesday mailbag, I said, man, this is – this is tough, so I decided, here, here we go, the step-by-step guide to a successful Steelers offseason. It kind of reminds me of the the old 1990s sitcom, Step-by-Step. Step. Uh, we're going to give you a three-step guide to what the Steelers need to do to, in my opinion, have a successful Steelers offseason. Let's get to it. Step one, okay, we need to create a checklist of needs. That's really important, and everyone's done that. Fans have done it. The team's done it. They need to look at the checklist of team needs. So just a couple to rattle them off here. Inside linebacker, safety, defensive line, offensive line, wide receiver, cornerback. It's just one of those things. You might even say that if they let Mitch Trubisky go, that that backup quarterback would be on the list. I don't know. But there you have six. Six positions in no particular order that would be considered the team needs that they need to identify and say, okay, step number one, first thing we got to do is get our checklist. There you have it, those positions. So that's step one. That's the easy stuff. Then you go to step two. Step two is a little bit more daunting. Step two, now you have to be able to check off all those boxes before the NFL draft. So again, this is in free agency. This is not, we need to wait inside linebacker, we'll just address it in the draft. No, they need to check every box in some way via free agency before the NFL draft. Now, let me make this very clear. This could happen in-house, and it could be players from the outside. That's plain and simple. That could be either way, but it has to happen in free agency. Think back to last season. Last season, you had all those team needs, whether it was quarterback, you had team needs at, uh, you know, I'm trying to think the other main, cornerback was one, safety was one, uh, inside linebacker was one, along the offensive line were a lot. So think about what the Steelers did last year. And I know it wasn't Omar Khan and Andy Weedle, it was Kevin Colbert, but think about what they did, though. On day one, they go out and get Mitch Trubisky, quarterback, check. 
They bring in Mason Cole. Okay, versatile interior offensive lineman. Check. They bring in James Daniel. Check. They sign Levi Wallace. Check. They sign Arthur Millette. Check. Miles Jack. Check. They were going all down their team need list, and they were just slowly checking every single box. They didn't get them all checked, though. They didn't get them all checked, though. There was one glaring box that remained open heading into the draft. We'll talk about that. But step two is can the Steelers address all of those team needs and check all of those boxes before the draft? That's going to be important. That is going to, you cannot step, you can't skip a step here, folks. Not in my opinion and not in my methodology in this three step approach. You can't skip a step. So let's go to the third and final step then. You have to be able to go into the draft knowing that all the boxes have been checked, and it gives you that flexibility to be able to take the best player available and not draft by position. So I mentioned last year, the Steelers did not check all their boxes. They were lucky. They got really lucky, but they did not check all their boxes. The one glaring box that was not checked before the draft was at safety. The Steelers had a needed safety, and they signed Carl Joseph. But I think if you're like me, you saw that news and thought, that's not the answer. That that guy is not the answer. They didn't have a safety. Remember, Terrell Edmonds and Demonte KZ were both signed in the some shoot, I think Terrell Edmonds was the waning hours after the NFL draft had concluded. KZ was not long after, and they addressed it then. But they went into the draft with a glaring need. Now, I don't know if they had maybe some inside intel that they're going to be able to sign at least one of those two guys. They end up signing them both, and that's why they didn't address safety in the draft. I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't a deep safety class, in my opinion, last year anyways. However... They were able to get that box checked, and they got lucky afterwards. But if they can check all the boxes, and let, so let's go back to the step first step. You think about the positions that they have, and you think about the free agents that are on their roster. So inside linebacker, you're not. I don't expect Devin Bush to come back. Robert Spillane is an option. Uh, Miles Jack, does he stick around? We'll see. Offensive line. I think it's safe to say that the Steelers don't need to necessarily check off a major box. That would be pretty low on the uh, on the priority list for me based on the fact that they can run back all five of their current offensive linemen, and they've shown that they can, they can play. They can play. At safety, that's an issue. That's a glaring need. They need to bring back, in my opinion, one safety, whether it's Edmonds, KZ, before that NFL draft. Give Minka Fitzpatrick... A, a partner in the backfield, whoever that is, that's a must. The defensive line is a must. Larry Ogunjobi, do they bring him in? Is he going to cost too, or is he, they keep him, I should say? Do they keep him, or is he going to cost too much money? At cornerback, do they bring back Cameron Sutton, or do they try to find another Levi Wallace type on the open market? These are tough questions. A wide receiver is a lot like the offensive line. I feel like it's not a they, they don't have to have that list that listed so to speak. It would be nice for them to add to that, but I don't think it's a necessity. Some of these positions are certainly prioritized ahead of the offensive line and ahead of wide receiver when it comes to free agency. Make that very clear. So if they could go back to step one, you identify those. Can they check off all those boxes? Pick up some free agents. They don't have to be high end free agents. It could be in the second wave of free agency. And then they can go into the NFL draft knowing 
that these boxes have been checked. This team, if they don't get their guy at that position in the NFL draft, they're fine. They have the players that are there. You just don't want to have that situation. Think about if Terrell Edmonds or DeMonte Casey were not acquired last year. What would they have done? If they would have signed somewhere else, what would the Steelers have done at safety? Minka Fitzpatrick and who else? Carl Joseph got hurt in the preseason and was lost for the rest of the year on IR. That's that's the situation you have to avoid at all costs. So those are your three steps. Now, the second part of Doc M's question was, how do you know if it's a great offseason or a mediocre one? Unfortunately, you won't know until after the season is done. So when you think back to 2022, we all said, man, Kevin Colbert hit this free agency out of the ballpark. And they made a lot of really good moves when you think about it. Uh, The ones that I've already mentioned, Cole, Daniels, Jack, Wallace, Edmonds, KZ, even Trubisky was a smart signing. He was an insurance policy. Now, the NFL draft, again, that's part of this offseason. I didn't really dive into that too much other than the fact that you want to be able to have the flexibility and the freedom to draft the best player available and not have to focus on an individual position. And when I think back to 2022, what a great draft class it was. But we needed to see it before we could actually talk about it and grade it. Yeah, we always do draft grades the day after the pick, and we always cover the draft grades by people like Mel Kuyper, but it's kind of foolish. These these players haven't played a, a snap as a professional, and we're supposed to grade them on what? How? Exactly. That's the whole point. Nonetheless, when you go you give them a whole year and you look at Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, DeMarvin Leal, you look at Connor Hayward, you're also talking about Mark Robinson, Jalen Warren is an undrafted rookie. And then you throw in Calvin Austin III, who didn't even play but could still contribute. What a great draft class. But we can't say that until we've been through it. So if the Steelers go step one, step two, step three, they do all those things, you're thinking, okay, this is a successful offseason. It can blow up in your face. I will always talk about how when the Steelers signed Ladarius Green, Morgan Burnett, uh, even Dante Moncrief, Myself at Behind the Steel Curtain and plenty of other websites that cover the Pittsburgh Steelers all talked about how great the signings were, and they just didn't pan out. You have to give it time. We all want to have the knee-jerk reaction. We all want the instant satisfaction of knowing that this is perfect, but it just doesn't always work out that way. So when you're talking about success, we won't know that for the free agency class, for the draft, and by proxy, Omar Khan and Andy Weedle until the season is over, unfortunately. But I still believe in that three-step process. If they can do that, I think they could have a lot of success this offseason. Said it before, I'll say it again. This is a critical juncture for the Pittsburgh Steelers in this organization's history. They they succeeded last year of getting through that red light. Can they get through this red light? We will see if they do. The trajectory is pointing upwards, and I think big things are ahead. What else is coming up for you, the fan, the listener, is... We got Jeremy Jerome Betts with the All Bets Are Off segment. And stay tuned to the very end as we finish every Friday podcast with a little heart to heart. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is the second half of the show. It is Friday. That means it's time for the All Bets Are Off segment with Jeremy Jerome Betts. What is going on, Jeremy? How are you? Man, I'm getting uh, getting better on the mend from my second bout with COVID, but uh, I I was sick over the Super Bowl weekend, which was a bummer, so I didn't go to my get to go to my Super Bowl party, but uh, still had a good time, uh, enjoyed the game, and uh, man, ready for the offseason in full. Let's get to it. Well, let's start there. What were your thoughts of the Super Bowl? I mean, I know yeah. you didn't get to do the Steelers fix this week because you weren't well, and Andrew had a good interview with uh, – a punting prospect in the NFL draft, but what were your yep. overall takeaways from the Super Bowl? Uh, I thought it was two very even teams. Um, I think the the battle going into it for me was always uh, roster building versus uh, all world quarterback, and I think the the Eagles had put together a championship roster. And not to say their quarterback was a slouch by any means. You could even argue that he played a better game than Patrick Mahomes did on the other side, but the Chiefs just rely so much on Mahomes and Andy Reid to figure things out and be good enough, even where you might consider parts of their team lacking uh, in talent compared to some of their uh, opponents. And I think that that is kind of what played out in this game is that when the chips were down and when the team needed uh Mahomes and and Reed to right the ship and get things going. They did it to the tune of four uh, second half drives that all ended in points and uh, a closeout for the win. And yeah, you can you can talk about the penalty, um, which was iffy in my opinion, but uh, shouldn't overshadow what the Chiefs accomplished, especially on offense in the running game as well uh, to close out that game. So congrats to the chiefs. Uh, I was rooting for the Eagles. I had picked the Eagles. Uh, I thought Jalen hurts deserved a win, but uh, sometimes you just, uh, you get a little unfortunate and uh, maybe, you know, the fact that your defense that led the league in sacks by a good margin, couldn't get one on Patrick Mahomes all day. Uh, you know, that's more of a, of an issue than uh the holding call at the end of the game that, that sealed the deal for Casey. Yeah. That's the talking point that you know, I was talking with someone at the gym the other day and they were asking me, Hey, what'd you think about the Super Bowl? And I, yeah, we talked about the penalty and all that stuff. And I mentioned how it wasn't called all game. And then they call it at that juncture. It just really, yeah. yeah. It's like, man, that sucks. Like, Hey, you just don't, if you haven't called it all game, cause that happens all the time in the national right. football league. If you haven't called it all game, you call it there. That's suspect. However, the one thing that no one's talking about is what you just talked about. A defense that put up over 70 sacks. I think it was 70 sacks this 70, season. Like 72 I, sacks, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Zero. They don't get right. to the quarterback in the first half at all. So you know what? No one is talking about Andy Reid. And maybe it's Eric Bieniemy as well. In the sure. second half of that game, they came out and said, they're going to start bringing pressure because they're getting to the point where they're saying, we, oh my gosh, like we're a team that thrives on getting to the quarterback and we have it. So we're going to start bringing pressure and right. you saw them prepared for it. The hot red, that's when Juju Smith-Schuster started to come alive was because they weren't getting home with four and they had to send extra players. And that's when Juju Smith-Schuster got the good matchups and he was winning those battles. And so no one's really talking about that aspect of it. Good coaching, good yeah. game planning, Kudos to the Chiefs. I, I, I honestly had no rooting interest in this game. I was rooting for a parlay to hit. Freaking Deontay, hey, Deontay Smith. I think that's his name. Devontae Smith. Devontae, right? yep. Yep, Devontae Smith. If he stays in bounds, 
I hit my parlay. It would have gotten me two Jalen Hurts touchdown passes. I had the one and a half in the over. It got me the yardage, but not the touchdowns. I'm like, ah, they're still in the red zone. They'll throw a touchdown. Nope, they run another one in. Right. Screw you, man. Stay in bounds. <laughs> like, come on. I don't bet a lot I know of money. It. But still, I'm like, that was my one thing. That's all I needed on my parlay. But, you know, it was a, it was a good game. I am not about to go as far as to say that it was one of the greatest ever. Oh, if no. they kick a field goal, meaning the flag's never thrown, they yep. kick a field goal, Jalen Hurts and the offense get the ball with over a minute and a half left with timeouts, and they get a chance to drive. Now we might be talking, but the way that right. that game ended, I know that Seth Wickersham at ESPN said it was one of the greatest ever. I wrote the article for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and I said, I cannot disagree more. There's so many more, not just Steelers games. There's so many more Super Bowls that were better. You agree with that? I do. Uh, I think the the way it finished with that with that bit of anticlimactic ending, you just kind of it didn't put it all together for me. Uh, I mean, even last year's Super Bowl, which was considered kind of a dud overall, was a little more exciting at the finish, I thought, yeah. than this one because of how things, uh, the, how the script flipped with that that penalty. So yeah, I think. In order to, man, in order to to reach that status as one of the best ever, I think you got to have the finish, and that's what made um, fifty or uh, sorry forty three so fantastic to me. Was you know you had the big plays throughout the game, and this game had a lot of big plays too. Um, but then to, to close it out with with that drive uh, by Roethlisberger and connecting with Santonio Holmes in the back of the end zone, that's what makes a great Super Bowl from a man that was a good game well fought uh congrats to the winner you know that's a memorable super bowl yeah super bowl to me it was entertaining i do like a little bit more defense than that uh you know I, I, they were showing the crazy highlights of uh or not highlights yeah. but famous super bowls in arizona and one of those was a 17 to 14 giants over the pages like yeah. 17 14 is 38 35 like it's incredible it wasn't that long right. ago but let me ask you this question before we move on from the super bowl is is Patrick Mahomes the NFL's new golden boy? Ooh. Uh yeah, uh, I'd say so. They love him. Uh he he rakes in the views. Uh he's he's good on the mic. Uh he's obviously very good on on the field. Uh I you know, I'm not going to be one of these guys that says the NFL tries to put him in position to succeed as no. far as like <laughs> you know, scripting games and whatnot, but, but yeah, I mean, he's the, he's the face of the league at this point and whoever that person is, uh, tends to become a, a golden boy, if you will. I, yeah. I believe it. I think he is. I think he is, you know, he's got that squeaky clean persona. He's, he's not getting into trouble yet off the field. So I, I yeah. think the NFL is going to, they're going to market the heck out of this guy. It did irk me though. Did you see the video of Roger Goodell, uh, like hugging all like uh, hugging all these chiefs players and all this. I was like, man, <laughs> did you see that video? I, I didn't see that video. No, you'll, uh, you'll have, have to share, share that with, with you on Twitter. Point, yeah. I saw, I was like, man, that's not a good look. Like <laughs> what, what did he say? He told, I think it was Chris Jones. Is that the defensive lineman's name? Yes. Yep. He gave him like a big hug and they were hugging. He goes, I don't care how you'd sack the quarterback. And he said that I'm like, dude, you're the freaking commissioner. Like yeah. you find all these guys. If James Harrison heard you say that, he hates you already. Right. He's going to hate you even more. Absolutely. <laughs> just a yeah. bad look. You're it's just a, a really target bad on your back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, 
enough Super Bowl talk. We have a lot of off season now to get ready for. And the first thing up for the Steelers is free agency. And that's coming up in less than a month now. And I want to ask you if you were to prioritize a position in free agency, regardless of whether it's an in-house like a Larry Ogunjobi or Cameron Sutton, what position would you target in free agency first? Assuming that Omar Khan and Andy, we are going to do so. Yeah, I, I think, um, just for cost effectiveness sake, you're, you're talking defensive line and inside linebacker, um, strong safety. If you can't retain Terrell Edmonds, but I think if you're bringing in an outside free agent, then uh, somebody along the defensive line that can really handle the nose tackle duties, play that zero tech, that one tech, um, in the, the Steelers three, four base. And, and, you know, with some versatility, obviously they play a lot of package defense as well, but, um, you know, you're talking about, I, I wrote an article in part of my series, uh, the bets off season, uh, in 2023, I had the Steelers going after Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, so, you know, played for Minnesota this last year. I think he played for the chargers in the past as well. Still, under 30, I believe, and just a big people mover in the middle. Uh, I don't think he would be that expensive. And you're talking about uh, adding to a position where you're not going to have to break the bank because it's not as highly valued across the league. If you go after a left tackle in free agency, you're going to have to spend big bucks to get a starter there. If you go after cornerback in free agency, you're going to have to get a spend big bucks to to land a a guy opposite, hopefully Cam Sutton that the Steelers can retain of their own free agents. But so I'm talking guys like Dalvin Tomlinson along the defensive line, or maybe a Jermaine Pratt or even a Tremaine Edmonds is all the rage with Steelers fans right now. But Jermaine Pratt from Cincinnati at inside linebacker had the highest coverage grade of any linebacker off ball linebacker in the league this year. And if the Steelers struggled anywhere in 2022, uh, at inside linebacker, it was in coverage. So getting a guy like that to shore up that area of the middle linebacker group would be huge for the team as well. So you don't have to spend huge money on it. Um, if you wanted to go on the offensive side of the ball, maybe a vet wide receiver. I don't think you have to spend a whole bunch of money there either. But I'm really targeting that defense where there's going to be more holes. So I'm going to say defensive line, uh, specifically at the nose, and then um, inside linebacker. Yeah, I could get on board with that. And then when you think about how that sets up the draft now, I have a question for you because obviously on, I think it was, yeah, Thursday, no, Wednesday, um, Todd McShay did an, his latest mock draft. Now, mock drafts are nothing right. more than just predictions and guesses. And especially Correct. when, you know, McShay throws in that the Colts are going to trade up to get the number one overall pick. And you know, that that's a lot. Like you're, you're, you're projecting a lot here. So yeah. I want to ask you about mock drafts. Are there any particular, we'll call them experts. I used air quotes there that you value their mock drafts over others, or do you take them all in and say, well, let's see how they have this thing playing out. Like how do you approach mock drafts? Yeah. Well, there's this, this guy, um, for uh BTSC named Jeremy Betts, who does really good ones. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, no, that's a good question because I think, you know, when you look at mock drafts, there's there's so much speculation. I think the best way to go about a mock draft is is recognizing the positional needs of teams and also, I guess, you know, if you're not deep diving into the, hi- the historical 
how these teams draft, you know, uh, under the, the regime that they're, they're currently under, uh, you know, you're not going to have as, as deep a knowledge necessarily. Like I probably know more about the Steelers tendencies than I do any other team in the NFL, obviously, right. because they're, I'm a fan of them and I've, I've watched them for years, but, um, I don't know. I go to Daniel Jeremiah. I think he's a, he's a really good um, he's a he's a sound mind when it comes to evaluating prospects. I think he's fairly plugged into the league um, in that. Well, you'd hope so as the lead analyst for NFL Network. I just think he approaches it with a little more sanity. Not a, not as much trying to draw those clicks as maybe the ESPN guys do. So I really like DJ. I like Bucky Brooks as well. They're kind of my go to guys. Um, and maybe I'm biased to NFL network over ESPN, but they just seem to be a little more on the nose. And, uh, I guess understanding the situation of each team and kind of their history a little bit better. So I go to those guys, but if you're talking about not NFL network, not ESPN, then I like to go to the draft network. I think that they've got a good group of former scouts and, and players that are a part of their um, uh, their group of, of a draft analysts. And I think they do a good job with their mocks, uh, getting, getting players to the right place and, and really not focusing so much on the, the trades and the, all these project projecting things. And you're just going after, you know, what does this team need? Who's the best player available in, in your opinion at that position there? I think that that's the most sensible way to do it. Something I'm going to do, and that's a great answer, and I'm glad you said this. I want to check out some of those guys. I don't really read theirs as much as, say, the the Kuipers and the McShays and, and sure. all that stuff. Um, give me a prospect, any prospect right now, and, and we're talking about collegiate players of getting ready to go pro in the NFL sure. draft. Give me a prospect that you're like, hey, this guy's intriguing. Just keep a name. Just throw out a name. Where's he from? What positions he play? Kind of like giving our listeners, giving the Ride or Dies crew some homework. Say, hey, if you want a prospect to check out, check this guy out. Who's who's that prospect this week? I would talk about um, DeMarvian Overshown out of Texas. Okay. He's an inside linebacker prospect. Uh, he played inside linebacker for Texas, but he's a converted safety and he's six foot four and like 240 pounds. He's like, uh, let, let me get, <laughs> actually, let me look at something here. No, no, no. Okay. He's six foot four and like 230 pounds. So he's That's a little still bit, a big human being. <laughs> he is. So you're talking like a, a Tremaine Edmonds size guy, maybe not as heavy. Um, but I likened him as far as um, skill set. He, he's probably not quite as fast, but as far as, like what you're going to ask of him to do in the, in the NFL, he kind of reminds you of Ryan Shazier in that he can mm. move sideline to sideline. He's got coverage ability. Um, you know, he's got some, of uh, some of that versatility. It's, it's like if, if Marcus Allen had actually been a little bit bigger, um, you know, and was groomed as an inside linebacker in college, it's kind of like that. Um, but I think that this guy has a chance to be a lot better. <coughs> excuse me i have him going to the i have him going to the steelers in the fourth round of my or no the third round of the mock draft that i just released and i think that his stock will rise throughout the um football and shorts time of the offseason because you're going to see his athleticism teams are going to see his his movement skills his coverage skills 
And in the passing league that we're in, that is just a huge deal. So uh, he's a guy that I really like, and I'm starting to, he's starting to grow on me. Um, so I guess that would be the player I would mention at this point in my uh, draft analysis so far. Awesome. So I'm going to ask you that every week. So you got to have someone for us every week. Uh, the the draft prospect of the week. Good stuff. Jeremy, Absolutely. why don't you tell people what you have coming up on the website and also what the Steelers fix is uh, cooking up here on the Steel Curtain Network. Yeah, Steelers Fix is going to jump into these um, positional previews uh, for the draft. And then as we approach free agency, so probably in the next two weeks or so, we're going to have a show talking about free agency specifically. We might combine that with a positional preview, um, but the Combine's coming up at the end of this month as well. So we've got a lot coming up. So the Steelers Fix will be on all of that. And then I will be doing some work uh, about the, the combine coming up. That's probably going to be my focus. Some guys to, to watch in the combine coming up. And then I do have an article coming out, maybe out by the time you, you hear this uh, about Kenny Pickett and which quarterbacks from 2022 had stat lines that would be acceptable to Steelers fans uh, for Kenny Pickett in 2023. So kind of a different look at, at some expectations for KP eight going into his second year. And then you can follow me on Twitter at the bets, 93 T H E B E T Z nine, three, always talking Steelers and NFL football on the social platforms there. There you go. And that article will be out today, Friday, probably around nine 30 AM Eastern time. So Sweet. make sure you check that out from Jeremy. Jeremy, thank you as always. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next Friday. Sounds good, man. Have a good one. You do. Oh, and a big thank you to Jeremy Jerome Betts, as always, for taking the time on a Friday to uh, just you know spend some time with us. Yeah, I don't think people realize, like, I do appreciate people's time, and he gives us some of his time every single week. I love talking to him about the NFL in general, the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course. So a big thank you to Jeremy. Let's finish this up with a heart-to-heart like we do every Friday. As I record this, which is actually being recorded on Thursday, the 16th, uh, my family is packing up currently, getting ready to head back to the old stomping grounds of Wheeling, West Virginia, and it's for all the wrong reasons. I've talked about on Monday, we found out that my uncle had passed away, uh, and it's just been a, you get, it's, hey, sometimes you got to wait, you know? And so his services and everything are going to be this upcoming weekend, and uh, I've got to deliver another eulogy. I had to do that at my grandmother's funeral Barely got through it. I'll probably barely get through this one as well. Uh, but you know what? It just kind of reminds me, and I hate how this happens, and I'm sure if you've been through this, you're the same. When you have these family tragedies and you go back home or wherever you are and you're around your family and friends, you have, yeah, often ask yourself, why do we wait till someone dies to do this? It doesn't make any sense because you enjoy each other's company so much. You reminisce, you tell stories, you laugh, you cry, and then – you say, well, can we do this again? And that's kind of the heart the heart to heart this week is, you know, and enjoy family before it's too late, you know, and and enjoy your life. I, I honestly, I, I swear it's it's so short. You know, I, this upcoming week, actually on Monday, I turned 40 and I still struggle with the fact that I'm going to be 40 years old. I'm not scared of a number. I feel great, feel better than I did probably when I was 20 or 30, but still, it's just that number, and you're like, man, forty years already. You know, I've got a fourteen-year-old son, our first, our firstborn. It just, it goes by so quick. It honestly, this life is not long enough that you can just dive into negativity and let it consume you. Stay positive, 
Enjoy your life. Enjoy your family. Tell everyone you love them when you have the chance. Go and visit that family member before it's too late. That's the heart to heart. All right, folks, that does it for me. I hope you enjoy your weekend. I'm going to actually enjoy my weekend uh, once I get through that eulogy with my family. And uh, we'll be back on Monday, hopefully with a Monday morning conversation. So, all right, folks, you know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Go Steelers.